And we're going to be reading the whole, the whole chapter because last week and this week kind of all thread together and wind together. So Philippians chapter 3, and we'll start at verse 1 and just go right through to the end, to chapter 4, verse 1. In addition, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. To write to you again about this is no trouble for me and is a safeguard for you. Watch out for the dogs. Watch out for the evil workers. Watch out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision, the ones who worship by the Spirit of God and boast in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus and do not put confidence in the flesh. Although I have reasons for confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised the eighth day of the nation of, on the eighth day, the, the nation Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, regarding the law, a Pharisee, regarding zeal, persecuting the church, regarding the righteousness that is in the law, blameless. But everything that was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung so that I might gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God based on faith. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. Not that I have already reached the goal or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let all of us who are mature think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this also to you. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. Join in imitating me, brothers and sisters, and pay careful attention to those who live according to the example you have in us. For I have often told you, and now say again with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. They are focused on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await, eagerly wait for a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. So then my 
dearly loved and longed for brothers and sisters, my joy and my crown in this manner, stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. So if you could think of one person that, that you think of that's amazing, that has maybe accomplished things that you have always dreamed or wanted to accomplish, and you could spend an hour just with them, talking with them about how they did what they did, how they, how they got there, what obstacles they, they overcome to get there. And when things seemed stalled and they weren't going to get there, how did they persist? And, and, how did they, and what, what did it feel like to achieve and to, you know, to, to do uh, maybe the, the thing that as you look at them, you would like to someday think of or hope you could accomplish? So who, who would you pick? Who would be the person you would interview and, and think of how valuable that would be if you could spend that time getting the insight from them about what that means. We all have people we admire, whether it's now or throughout history. And the amazing thing is that Paul here gives us a window into one of the greatest spiritual leaders of, of all of history. And he gives us a window into his spiritual walk, into his heart, into his life, into his past, where he had been, the, the failures and mistakes, and then to the present time where, where he is at in terms of writing this letter and how he feels like he went through this transition where the things we talked about this last week, the things he thought were so important, now he considers just a waste and the things he didn't understand, now he understands, and his whole life is resting on that, particularly his achievements, his personal achievements. How now, in, in terms of writing the letter and him writing this letter as, as he pens it, his dependence is not on his own achievement, is not on his sacrifice or his determination or his ability to keep the rules. His, his, uh, what he feels he's accomplished now has been accomplished by Jesus. He's resting on what Jesus has done for him. Now, imagine going from this transition of everything you are being defined by your effort spiritually, and going to the place where now understanding that everything he is, is defined not by his own effort, but by what Jesus has accomplished for him. So he says, verse 79, he's relying on what Christ has done for us. And then in verse three, he puts no confidence in human effort whatsoever. And what defines him is a way of faith. And so his whole spiritual life is, is, is identifying, is discovered by identifying himself with Jesus. Um, and now after immediately acknowledging this process of, of, of where he was and where he's at, now he immediately goes to how he's going to move forward from this point. So, so this is where you and I find ourselves, a lot of us here. A lot of you have been Christians for a long time. And, and uh, you know, how many of you find the Christian life like living this thing, you know, just a piece of cake? You know, like you just killed it this week. You know, you, everything, you just, I mean, you had, you're like, you're like I'm going to do that, and then you just did it. You know, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read my Bible, you know, whatever it is. You, you just accomplished that. 
well, that, for most of us, that's not the, that's not the experience. It, it's, we've, we, we, like Paul, we define ourselves by what Jesus has done. But then living this out, is that a challenge? Every day, that's a challenge. That's a struggle, living this out. So, so Paul immediately goes to how he's defined by Jesus and what Jesus has done, but now how he's living this out. And the first thing he kind of, kind of nails or makes a big point about emphasizing is that he, and I would share like, likewise we, we are all a work in progress. That's what he says. The first line of verse 12, which was our text this week, not that I have already reached the goal or am already perfect. I mean, that's, that's where he just goes right there. So he, he immediately brings up the tension of, in our Christian experience, what defines us are two, two amazingly and somewhat contradictory things. That all of our spiritual accomplishment is resting on what Jesus has done for us in our place. We call it, we call it the great exchange. Jesus living the life we couldn't live, dying the death we deserve to die, that coming to our account, and then all of our fallenness going to Jesus. And then that defines us in terms of our position. But then living this out is, is the challenge. So the first thing he says is, we are all a work in progress. And this kind of defines the tension that we all live with. Because we're forever walking in, in this tension of what Jesus has done and how really I have to look at myself and define myself through that grid and being perfect. And at the same time, every day dealing with the disappointment of not, not really living up to what I wanted to be or do or accomplish spiritually. And then going back, starting the day, um, one of the things, I, I, I participated in a funeral this week, and, and I thought this was a beautiful thing. This person, they were talking about this individual who passed away, and they said every day he started his day with the Lord's Prayer like we just prayed. And every evening he ended the day with the Lord's Prayer. Um, and and that, that prayer acknowledges what God has accomplished for us and resting in that, starting our day with that acknowledgement, ending, ending our day with that acknowledgement, kind of making that the bookmarks of our day. And this is what he did. He made those the bookmarks of his day and then in, be, in between dealt with the mess of it, <laughs> which is what we do. We just walk through the mess of it. Hebrews says this. Paul, Paul, in another section, defines it this way. He says, he talks about Jesus and what Jesus did. He says, for by that one offering, his offering, his death on the cross, which is what we celebrate when we worship on communion. For by that one offering, he forever made perfect, past tense, in our account, what defines us. He forever made perfect those who are being made holy. So how, how are we made perfect and then being made holy? Okay, that's like the, the, the struggle that we deal with in the Christian experience. And that's the first place that Paul's go to, Paul goes to when he talks about applying this. So, so what defines him, first of all, is that he is a work in progress. So when, when we deal, I guess one of the things that this brings to me is a sense of it's okay not to be okay. Not, not that we're satisfied or, or just uh, accepting that we're not okay, 
but recognizing that that is our situation, our human condition. And this is Paul writing this, and Paul is not okay. He hasn't arrived. He hasn't achieved it. He's not made perfect. And if you are, don't feel like you're perfect, okay, I'm just gonna say, welcome to the spiritual club of, it's okay, we're a mess. We're just Jesus' mess here. That's what we are. And he made us perfect, and now he's making us holy. And this is not an excuse to kind of like back off and coast. And most of us know that because we love Jesus and the passion for us is to be like Jesus. And Jesus and the spirit are drawing to that, are drawing us to that. So we get that. But, but when in, in the, the gap between holy and the mess that we are in and when we feel like this gap is not closed and we're walking through the mess of it, you just have to kind of just regularly remind yourself, it's okay that I'm walking through the mess of it because Jesus finished it for me. He knew I couldn't do it. And Jesus will, will ultimately bring me home. And, and in between then, I'm just gonna keep on, I'm not gonna quit. I'm just gonna keep on going. So he, 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 uh, he acknowledges that, number one, we're, he, he's a work in progress, and likewise, we're following his example, like he said for us to do, so are we. Number two, he said what, we need, what he does is he looks forward. This, this is significant. When you think of, of, of people who accomplish great things, so he says, um, verse 13, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue my goal, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. So if you want to consider Paul as a person and he encourages us to follow him as an example, as a great spiritual example, of some, as, as we look in a, into a window of spiritual greatness, if you want to see what defines spiritual greatness, what one of the things is, is not focusing on where you've been, but focusing on where you can be in Jesus Christ. So his attitude is not focused on the past. His attitude is focused on the future. His attitude toward the past is what? When he thinks of the past, what's he doing? He's trying to forget. Now, is there, is there stuff in your past you want to forget? <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, and that's, that's where he is going. Now, Paul's past, his whole past before his, he met Jesus was focused on effort and achievement to ex- receive a relationship with God. And, and his, his past um, was was defined by effort to have a new spiritual relationship with God, to walk with God, to do God's will. So in your past and my past, our past is composed of things that we, we have done and things that have been done to us. Some of the things in our past we, we could not control. You know, like for example, how many you controlled the family you were born into? You, you choose, how many of you choose your relatives? You get a chance to do that? I mean, occasionally I kind of think that thing can, is possible, um, humanly speaking. You can choose. But, but for most of us, and especially our biological relatives, you don't choose them. We don't choose the home we're born into. Uh, we don't choose the socioeconomic level we're born into. We don't choose the neighborhood we're born to, into. We don't choose our ethnicity. We don't choose... Uh, our, some of our body chemistry, uh, we, don't cho- we don't choose any of this. 
And likewise, we don't choose the, the way in which the people, the adults around us when we're, when we're children, the way adults treated us. So much of life is, is what happens to us, but it's very much a part of our past. The other aspect of life is, is, uh, is the stuff we did that we were in control of and that we have to take personal responsibility. Now, both of those things, Paul is emphasizing, I am letting go of those things. The things I couldn't control and the things I could control. And I am not going to let those things define me. So here's what you have to understand about your past, particularly if it's been broken and it's difficult. And a lot of us have aspects of our past that are difficult and broken. For many people, um, your past can define you. Whatever you experience, and sometimes particularly if it's trauma or difficult experiences when you were small or when you were children, sometimes those things have a way of defining you all the way through your whole life. And so... Uh, Paul is choosing to not let his past define him. And, and what he's inviting us to do and what he's doing is he is choosing his identity. And he's making his identity, he's, he's defining himself by what Jesus has done and also what Jesus will do in him. Recently, I just uh, some some research in addiction that was somebody forwarded to me is really interesting. A new uh, a person who's just been working in addiction for thirty years, a PhD, great doctor, helped a lot of people with the terrible heroin epidemic that's going on, and a number of other things that that are going uh, swirling around in our culture with addiction. Um, he said that he 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 said uh, he he believes that a lot of addiction is tied up in or originates in what he thinks are, are, are what happened to us as children, particularly he calls adverse childhood experiences, difficult childhood experiences. Now, now, some of you have had difficult childhood experiences, and some of those things have had an ongoing effect in your life. He says also that, that uh, because of the difficult childhood experiences we have, um, that in, in trying to seek comfort and solace from the time we're very small, we develop what he calls ritualistic, compulsive, comfort-seeking habits. And these things are just habits that we develop to try to find comfort through the difficult situations that we deal with from the time we're very small. I, I, as, as the, he explained his particular perspective, I thought a lot of that was really relevant. Now, Paul is saying he's forgetting that, his past. Let me explain to you what he's not saying. He's not saying this is spiritual amnesia. Because if, if difficult stuff happened to you in your past, that, that is stuff that you went through, either, either because of board decisions you made and now you're trying to make better decisions, or things that happened to you and you're trying to learn and grow from them. If you went through a painful experience with that, how many of you want to just go over and over and over that same territory? No. What we do is, if we've had difficult experiences in our past, we want to learn from them and then what? Move past it. That's what we want to do. And so this isn't spiritual amnesia. This isn't, I'm going to pretend that never happened. Paul doesn't pretend that all of his effort that he made, what defined his whole life was working and working and working to try to get God to accept him. He doesn't pretend that happened. In fact, he constantly brings it up and says, boy, that was a waste of time. I learned from that one. 
And now I walk every day in joy because of what Jesus has done for me. That's, that's Paul's, that's, that's the, how Paul manages it. So Paul says forgetting the past, it's not spiritual amnesia. It's not pretending the past didn't exist. It's also not saying that this didn't bother us or that this was easy, or, it, or he's not saying that it, a double negative. It wasn't difficult. It was incredibly, some of the things we go through in our past can be incredibly painful and difficult. This is what he's saying, get this. Whatever happened in the past, that is not gonna define me. Now see, here, that's where you can choose. You can make a decision. You and I can make, you and I can make a decision today in terms of faith and following Jesus and his person, work, and word, we can make a decision today to not let our past be the thing that defines us. So you choose, you choose what, to, to a large degree, you choose what defines you. People do it every day. You, cheer, you choose it by wearing the T-shirt, okay? So like part of what, def- stand up, Aaron. Okay, so like, turn around so everybody can see it. Aaron was like the star quarterback at Godwin, right? Is that, is that what that... Well, maybe not star quarterback at Godwin. But, but uh, that, that kind of defines him because the, he's like a homer for the team. He's, that's, that's special, you know? Um, okay, Ferris. Did you go to Ferris? Stand up. So, so you... So, and did you play football? No, you didn't. Uh, but so and did you... And how long did you go to Ferris? Still going, awesome, okay. So does this, this, so you, he's choosing, you're, you, so we do, okay, how about something that I frankly have never understood because I, not, I did not grow up in Michigan? How about Michigan and Michigan State? Does that define people? I mean, that's like a boundary line that people bring up all the time. And I, I, honestly, because I did not grow in Michigan, I am just constantly like, what is wrong with you people? You nailed it. I nailed it, okay, there we go. You choose what defines you. And Paul makes the affirmation that what is, going to find, what is going to define him is not his bad decisions in the past or the broken experiences, the way he was raised, the things that happened to him and the bad choices he made and the wrong things that he spent his whole life trying to do. Now he considers rubbish. Um, he's not going to, and all the time and energy he put into that, now, he, he could forever, if you're a person that focuses in the past and you spent your whole life living for something that at a later point, at some point you discover is entirely a waste, okay? And Paul is, you know, I don't know what age we guess Paul is at the time when he decides to follow Jesus. 40s, I'm guessing. David, what do you think? 40s at least? So in his 40s, here he is, in his 40s, discovering that everything he's lived for from the moment he wakes up to the moment he goes to bed is an entire waste trying to get God to accept you by personal achievement, okay? And that defined him and now he discovered the whole thing to be a waste. Would you say regret would be a problem at that point? <laughs> and, and, and that can define you. Like every time you talk to him, it's like, you know, if I would have spent those years doing something else, if I only wouldn't have wasted, and then, and then you just can focus on all of that. And Paul chooses to not let that define him. What's defining him is that Jesus has saved him. 
What defines him is not the insecurity that he had in trying to achieve God's acceptance by behavior. What's defining him is not his performance and how he uh, really didn't, didn't perform up to the level that he would hope to get to heaven and how he failed in that and really could never actually achieve that. that. What, what defines Paul is God's unconditional love through Jesus. What defines Paul is God's acceptance of him in spite of the fact that he could never earn or deserve God's acceptance because purely of God's love and grace. What defines him is how Jesus loves him more than he will ever know. What defines Paul is that Jesus has finished his salvation and now he has joy and now he has rest and now he has peace and now he has something he never had all those years. He was trying to work hard to get God to accept him and never quite knew if he did enough. Now he has security because Jesus did something entirely for him. So his present now is not focusing on the past. His present now is looking forward. And that's the thing that defines him. His, his, what defines him is his spiritual hope and future, is the fact that he's fulfilling his mission. And so uh, I'll just close with this, number three, and that is he operates on a different plane. Um, he, he, verse 20 says, we are citizens of heaven. Whatever defined me in my past, that is no longer an operating, controlling thing for me. What defines me now is the fact that I am a citizen of a kingdom that isn't here, a citizen of a kingdom that's coming. Um, our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly wait for a savior from there, the Lord Jesus. And he looks forward to the future, even his ultimate future of his resurrection. Even the fact that even though he dies, that God will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject, subject everything to himself. So here, here's what you have to understand about Paul. What defines all of what Paul is is what Jesus has done for him. And the same way that Jesus died, Paul now, God considers him dead to sin. And the same way that Jesus resurrected, Paul, God looks at Paul and uh, God looks at um, Paul in terms of him being resurrected and that that is just only a matter of time. And then the same way Jesus ascended, uh, Paul's future is as, as a citizen of heaven where that will be ultimately where he will be for all eternity. And so what defines Paul is the opportunity to walk in Jesus. So, so I guess I'll just ask you this question. And maybe go home, work this out on a piece of paper. Um, if you talk with me afterwards and you want to take some time to do this, I have a sheet I can email you. It's called Reconciling the Past. And where you can take your, you can kind of just take a few minutes and, and walk through some of these things and then bring them to Jesus and then cover them with grace. And kind of step by step walk through them and bring them to Jesus and cover them and walk through the process. Maybe even doing with a good counselor if there's some significant, traumatic, difficult experiences that are having a profound inf influence or effect on you today, which it very well can do. So, so you can work through that. The thing that God invites us to today 
is to walk in the power of the resurrection. Let's pray as we worship and take communion.